Good morning, church. Very good. You see, I'm, uh, this is how we do it in kids' church. I say good morning. Everybody says it back. You guys nailed it. You crushed it. You're on point. It is my privilege and it is my great honor to share with you this morning. I'm grateful to Pastor Chris, our leadership team at River Valley as a whole, to say, hey, we want to invest in our young leaders. We want to give them opportunity. And so it's my honor and privilege to present. Thank you for giving me the platform today. Many of you know me. I'm a pastor here on staff. I've been here for almost three years now. And for some of you that have been tracking with me for a while, it's like, wow, three years. That really flew by. It feels like it's been a lot longer than three years, but it's almost just been three years. I came from the Northwest. My wife and I, who are married and have been for, for 14 years now, brought our three children with us after we began a journey through a door that was open to us. And so what it looked like was we were doing ministry in the Northwest and had been for a significant period of time. We'd been pastoring for about 10 years. My wife was a pastor on staff as well. And we were raised up in the church. We were equipped by the church, great church that we were a part of. We were a part of a network of other churches. We were resourcing our schools, apartment complexes. I was speaking on behalf of our district at conferences and conventions and shepherding and mentoring other children's pastors in the region that we came from. But once upon a time, three years ago, somebody said, hey, would you consider coming to River Valley? Now this was news to us because we weren't interested, not because we didn't know of River Valley. Well, that's true, we didn't know of River Valley. Um, But because, well, we were content. We were happy with life where we were. There was no reason to move, no reason to look at another door. In fact, interestingly enough, the week before we were invited to consider moving to Minnesota, we were coming back from vacation and we were having one of those conversations. My wife and I were just processing life. We'd been in ministry for almost 10 years. We were quite happy. We were doing good things in ministry, but what if? You know, you have those conversations with a friend or with a spouse and you're like, What if we moved? Or what if I got a new job? Or what if whatever, right? And you have those conversations. And we were processing, what if we moved to the other side of the state? Oh my goodness, like the other side. Because her parents had been raising our children for a significant portion of their upbringing. And we're like, well, maybe the other grandparents on the other side of the state will get an opportunity to invest more into our children. There's another big church on the east side of the mountains. Maybe we could end up there. Are we open to that? We're like, I think we might be. We might be open to that. So we were processing. Lo and behold, a week later, we get an invite. We open up communication. We explore this door of what if. And well, to make a long story short, we ended up here in Minnesota. And the interesting part about this door that opened up to us, this opportunity, was we weren't looking for it. It came out of nowhere, but in this moment, there was tension. There was a little bit of stress. There was, are we going to make the right decision? Is this the right thing? Is this what God is offering? Is this the door he's opening? Is he closing the door of ministry where we're at? We had to process these emotions, these feelings. They were very real. They were very raw. But we sought mentors within our faith community. We reached out to those around us 
for godly wisdom. We sought the Lord. We yearned for more of him in our life, in our decision-making. We wanted to make the best decision, the right decision. So we sought the Lord. Is this where you want us to go? And lo and behold, after confirmation, after confirmation, it was a resounding yes. We felt the door of a chapter closing, an assignment was closing, and God was opening up something new and fresh to us, and we walked through that door. Now, walking through the door was a little unique because when we landed here in Minnesota, it took us a really long time to figure out what state was below us. I know it sounds weird, but when you're not from the Midwest and you have to look up Minnesota to see if there's a big lake next to it or not, you know you're not from the Midwest. But we acclimated very soon, we got our kids plugged into our schools, and we began to be a part of this community. We began to allow this to be home, and it truly has become home to us. But in that process, there was a huge tension. You and I both feel the tensions of decisions in our life, of doors we process is, should I go through that door or not? Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, I don't know, it's real. Some of those doors in our lives, my life and your life, is, like for my family, do we take this job? Do we move from this community to that community? Or do I put our kids in this school instead of that school? Where do we family vacation? Who's picking up the kids? What do we want for dinner? The big one, is it Starbucks or Caribou? Right? Like, those are big decisions. They're big doors, big decisions we need to make. Blinds, curtains, hardwoods. Laminate, what are we doing? Some other decisions before some other doors are maybe a little bit bigger, we would say. The doors of perhaps choosing to love somebody who's hurt you, choosing to forgive, choosing to share your faith when it's scary. Scripture says that we should share our faith with everybody. Everybody should know about the good news and the love of Jesus. And it's our job to help introduce them to a life-changing, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Earlier this year, we've touched on it a few times. Who's your five? So when I say, who's your five, some of you relate. Yeah, who's my five? I got my five. I have my five on my phone. I got them all in my notes. These are my five. My five are the people that I'm intentionally seeking out to get them to come to church, to share a conversation with them so that they too can know of the good news of Jesus Christ. Those are my five. I remind you today, who's your five? Who are the people that you're being intentional with so that everybody may have an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus? I want to suggest to you today there are two kinds of doors you will face. Everyday doors, Starbucks, Caribou, Five Guys, Smashbreakers. Everyday doors, okay? There's also what we can call plain as day doors. So those plain as day doors are the door of salvation, right? I have said yes to Jesus Christ. I've surrendered my life, my will, and I've said, I want to follow Jesus, your Lord and Savior in my life. Maybe sharing your faith, it can be scary, but it's an open door. God says, go, <laughs> tell the good news to everyone. Forgiving somebody, restoring a relationship. Those are some of the plain as day doors that we'll talk about. Peter describes the plain as day door in Acts 10, 34. It says this, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. 
If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. Later today, the door will be open for those of you who have yet to say yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to ask him to forgive you of your sin, to make you right with God, and to experience a relationship with Jesus for the first time. That door will be open. Whether you walk through it or not is up to you. Am I going to yield my life to Jesus? In the context of this story here, we hear about a centurion, Cornelius, in Caesarea. As we open up the book of Acts chapter 10, we hear a little bit more about what's going on in the context of this. I'm just going to highlight a couple things for you. Cornelius, leader of an Italian regiment, he was a good man. He loved God. He was a Gentile. He was not a Jew like Peter, but he loved God and he prayed to him. One day he was praying to the Lord and an angel came to him in a vision and said, hey, first of all, going to shock and scare you, okay? He controls himself and he hears this angel, this vision of the Lord, tells him to go to Caesarea, go, tells him to go to Joppa and find a man named Simon, Cider, Simon Peter, staying with Simon the Tanner, not to confuse him, who's living by the sea in Joppa. So he gets two of his household servants, one of his most trusted attendants, personal attendant, and he tells them to go. The next day, they're on their way to Joppa to seek out a man named Simon, also known as Peter, in the house of Simon the Tanner. Well, it's about noon. Peter is there in Joppa. He's up on the roof, and he's praying, having a holy moment, talking to God, seeking the Lord. And he receives a vision. Now, in this vision, there is a sheet with a whole bunch of animals on it. It's lowered down from heaven. And on this are a whole bunch of animals that are considered unclean. They're hooved, they're reptiles. They're not okay on the eating list. And he hears the Lord say to him, Peter, rise up, kill, and eat. Peter's like, no way, Lord. Man, these are unclean. I will not, I can't do this. It's not right. Three times this is repeated to him. As he's processing this vision, as he's processing what he heard the Lord say, trying to make sense of it, lo and behold, Cornelius' servants arrive at the door. They seek out Simon Peter. And Peter, still not really into it, wasn't paying attention until the Holy Spirit's like, hey, the people are downstairs. I want you to go with them. So Peter goes downstairs. He says, hey, I'm the guy. The Lord came to Cornelius in a vision. I'm the guy. What do you want? They stay with him for a bit, then they go back to Caesarea, and they meet with him. And that's where we get the context of the story today. In that moment, as you recap some stuff to them, he sees, oh my goodness, it's plain as day. This vision of animals, the unclean, in their culture and in their day, the Gentile people were unclean. They were not to be associated with. Peter could not, should not, and would not go into a Gentile's house to have a meal, to fellowship. But what God was doing is God was breaking down a barrier. God was revealing something to Peter about his kingdom. And in his kingdom, everyone, every race, every gender has an opportunity to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And so it became very clear 
that God wanted him to share the good news of Jesus with these Gentiles. Now, what I love about this story is I'm reminded that sometimes we need remindering to follow Jesus. I said remindering, yes. We need to be reminded to follow God. We need to be reminded, hey, go this way. Peter had to be reminded three times, hey, let me, let me get it to you again. Let me tell you again. Let me tell you a different way. We need that reminder sometimes too, so I'm encouraged in that. But what I love about this passage is God is the master orchestrator. He's the master orchestrator of our doors. Because in this context, he appears in a vision to Cornelius. Cornelius sends his team. They're on their way. They're traveling for a while before they get to knock on Peter's door in Joppa. God was already doing something before he came to Peter and told Peter to go to Cornelius. And so God was doing something behind the scenes. He was doing something in Peter's heart so that when the situation arrived, Peter was like, okay, it's time to go. It's go time. I know what I need to do. I love that. God opened up the door for me to come to Minnesota. He was stirring something in my heart and in my wife's heart before we even got the invite. God was like, hey, it might be time to move on. It might be time. This assignment might be done. God started doing something in our heart preparing us for a new season, for a new door. I love that about God. I love that about the master orchestrator is he coordinates and he works in and through people so that when it all comes together, you're like, ah, of course, of course. He's so good. God is the master orchestrator of our doors, so wise. He's opening the doors of your life for good. He's a good, good father, amen, amen. And he has good for you. God is persistent at getting our attention. He is persistent at getting our attention. He was persistent in getting Peter's attention. Here's three times. I'm gonna give you a little different filter. Hey, the people who came to get you, they're downstairs, go now. I love it. God also had to be persistent in getting the attention of another follower of God who spent time in Joppa. Anybody know who that is, that other follower of God who spent time in Joppa? A little bit before Peter's time, his name was Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. He followed God. He obeyed God. He did God's will. He was obedient. But one time when God asked him to do something, he didn't want to do it. And so he disobeyed. In fact, he ran the direct opposite way the Lord told him to go. He said, go to Nineveh. They need to know God. They need to repent. And he said, no, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. I'm going to go the opposite direction. A lot of times in our lives, we need to be reminded to go in the right direction. Will we do what God has asked us to do or will we run from his presence? Ask yourself this question. What's stopping me from walking through an open door. What's stopping me from walking through an open door? Is it fear? Very common for many of us. We get truly afraid. I'm afraid I don't want to go through that door. Gary Haugen, president of International Justice Mission, I recently heard him speak, and he gave three practical steps to overcome fear. Relentlessly inventory your own fears. Relentlessly inventory your own fears. Self-examination. 
Okay, he'll give his staff 30 minutes a day in the morning. It's quiet time, your reflection time. What's going on? Is that a fear? Is that valid? What is that? Relentless inventory your own fears. Switch from playing defense to offense. Bad things impressing you? Hmm? You impressed by the bad things in your life? Or is God impressing you? Where's your focus? Are you focused on the negative? Are you focused on the bad things that are happening? Are you focused on a mighty, powerful God who is able to see you through your fear and equip you? Forge a community of courage around you. Form a community of courage around you. Being the Lone Ranger does not work. God is inviting his church and leaders to help build his kingdom. Don't give in to fear, but imagine what God could do through you if you walk through that door and do the kingdom work he's have for you. Number two, fear is something that can keep us from going through that door. Also complacency. Don't care. Perhaps you've been complacent and different. There's maybe an apathy in your fear. There's complacency. When you're given those opportunities, you just kind of like, somebody else will do it. I don't need to do it. I don't need to give. I don't need to serve on that life team. You saw in our services earlier today that we have four services starting. Well, in order to add another service, we have to add a whole lot of people to serve on our life teams, in cafe, in kids, greeting, all that. Maybe you've been prompted to walk through that door of serving a life team, but you haven't really processed like it's not for me. Maybe it is for you. Is there a complacency in your life that you've said, it's not for me, I don't care, but it should be. It should be something you care about, this is your church. What about busyness, right? We don't have time, we don't have the strength, we don't have the energy when it comes to serving or walking through that door. I'm gonna to be too busy. Just don't have enough to do. Got too much to do. Take the time to make time if God's asking you to go through a door. Busyness may be an excuse, but if God's asking you to go through a door, make time to go through that door. Inadequacy. Often we feel, I've talked with a lot of people, I often have felt inadequate to do God's work. Inadequate to walk through a door. I'm not skilled enough. I haven't done that. I don't know. Can I do that? I feel inadequate. I love scripture and how it equips us. Scripture says that we are equipped for every good work in 2 Timothy. God has equipped you. He will bring people into your life to meet you where you're at. He will build you up. He will encourage you. Be encouraged, church. God is good and he will equip you to do his work. One of the biggest ones that keep us from going through a door is anxiousness. Man, you get worried. You're consumed by worry. I'm just gonna read some scripture to you out of Matthew 6. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The key here in this passage, seek his 
presence. Yearn for more of God. What a reminder from the word of God to help us go through our closed doors or the doors in our life that we need to walk through. I'm gonna give you three next steps to be, to be able to walk through your doors. Number one, be obedient. Be obedient. Know that continued obedience breeds confidence in the doors I walk through. Do you hear me? Continued obedience breeds confidence in the doors I walk through. So practice doing the right thing consistently. My obedient quotient will be much higher if I'm in a faith community. Jonah had confidence. He'd done the right thing over and over. He'd listen to God. Yes, sir, God, I'm on it. I'll go tell them. He was a prophet. He did good. But in an environment where he needed a faith community around him to somebody say, hey, Jonah, don't go. Don't run. He didn't have that. I will be more consistent in my obedience if I have a faith community providing me encouragement, stability, and accountability. Amen? Amen. Amen. Maybe one of the next things you need to be obedient in is taking your next step at River Valley. I'm sure all of you know it's next. It's what's next for you at River Valley. Because in that class, next opens up doors for you. It gives you opportunities. It helps you get educated about what you can do to be a part of our faith community. Let me recognize this reality. You may feel like serving, uh, like forgiving, like investing in that person is going to drain you. It's going to wear you out. And well, you can't be worn out. You barely have enough as it is. And you just can't go through that door because you're going to be running on empty. May I, I remind you of this truth. God wants to pour into you. By his Holy Spirit, he will pour into you and he will make a way where you felt, man, I cannot be poured out. No. God, this is me. This is my energy. And Lord, if I do that, it's all I got. There's nothing left, God. I can't do that. I can't go through that door. But you know what? Our God is so good. And he continues to pour into you again and again and again. He makes a way. He fills you up by his spirit. He gives you confidence. He reassures you so that when you feel like you don't have enough and you're poured out as you abide in Jesus, as you spend time with him, he continues to fill you up again and again, when you feel like there's nothing left and you can't go on, God in his goodness, as you abide with him and spend time with him, as you yearn for his presence, church, mm, mm, mm. he is good and he fills you, he refreshes you. So walk through that door and abide with Jesus. Yearn for him daily and let him fill you up. Be obedient to the doors he set before you and you'll always, always have enough. Number two, be persistent. Be persistent. Know that 
Jesus wants me to be persistent. He wants me to be persistent. I'm gonna share two brief stories with you from scripture in Luke. Jesus, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are uh, with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give up, uh, get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. A similar story is told a few chapters later. Jesus makes his persistent point plain as day. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Jesus contrasts the story of the persistent widow with what we can expect when we make our requests known to God. When we petition the Lord with our knocking, our prayers, he hears and he responds. So as scripture says, pray without ceasing. Know that God will honor my patient, persistent, and persevering prayer. God will honor my patient, persistent, and persevering prayer. Let God see you knocking and let him hear your prayers. Number three, be reliant. Be reliant. Rely upon God. Trust in God. Have faith in God that he hears you. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. There was a phrase that I learned as a young kid and I've heard many a times over the years and it's simply this, frog. Frog, think of frogs. Fully rely on God. Fully rely on God. Be reliant. Have faith in God. Remember, he's got the lilies. He's got the lilies of the field. Trust him. He's got you. He's got you. Seek his presence and yearn for more. I say this, trust the master orchestrator. Trust the master orchestrator. His plans for you are good. I'll close with this final question I want you to ask yourself. What door has God opened for me that I need to walk through? 
I'm not talking about Starbucks or Caribou. I'm talking about plain as day doors. This door on this stage represents doors in life. We got Starbucks, we got Caribou. We got schools, we got houses. Should I rent, should I buy? Some of the bigger plain as day doors like everybody gets salvation. What are some of those doors that I need to walk through? Perhaps it is salvation. Perhaps you've gone to church for a long time and you would maybe even call yourself a Christian. By definition, a Christian is a Christ follower. To follow somebody, you need to yield your life. You cannot be in control of your life and call yourself a Christ follower. You've said, Jesus, have your way in my life. That's a Christ follower. Going to church does not get you to heaven. Being baptized doesn't get you there either. It's somebody who says yes to Jesus. I believe in what the Bible says. I believe you are who you say you are and that you have the power to forgive me of my sin, all the wrong that I have done. And you have the power to make me right with a God who created the heavens and the earth and who has a plan for my life, who loves me as I read your word. And maybe that's your door today. It's the biggest, most important door, biggest, most important decision you'll ever make is to have an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That door is gonna be opened in just a moment. And you know, if that's you, whether or not you need to walk through. Maybe you sat in church for a long time, but you've never actually walked through that door. And you need to yield today and say, Jesus, come have your way in my life. Maybe the door for you is different. Maybe it's evangelism. Have you ever shared your faith with somebody? I challenge you not to condemn you nor to judge you. I'm in the same boat as you. As a pastor, it's easy to share my faith. I got a bunch of Christians I teach and preach to. It's not hard. It's my neighbors. It's people I meet in the community. That's harder. When was the last time you shared your faith? Have you felt those promptings by the Holy Spirit in your life to share your faith? Maybe it's sharing your faith. Maybe it's forgiveness or reconciliation, and that's a door presented before you. Mark 11, 25, Jesus to his disciples. And when you stand praying, knocking, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. What's your plan is day door? I don't know it. <laughs> but as you hear my words and as you're processing in your mind and in your heart, what's your plan is day door? I want you to have a conversation with God right now as we're closing. What is that door? What is that plainest day door? This is your response time. Think about it for just a moment. This is what I want us to do. I want everybody in the room to go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. God is good, he is the creator, he is sovereign, he loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Jesus made it possible for us to be right with him. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Aaron, man, I feel it, I know, I know I'm supposed to raise my hand, I know I'm supposed to surrender my life to Jesus. 
And today is the day of salvation for me. Today is the day that I walk through that door and I yield and I surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to raise your hand like you're raising it to be pulled out of the depths of the water, to be rescued and to be made right with the God of the heavens and the earth. One, two, three. Put your hand up. See many hands in the room. See your hands. See your hands. Jesus sees you. He sees your hands as you surrender right now. He's seeing your hands. Would you pray with me? All across the room, can we just repeat after me, Jesus? Thank you for saving me. Today, I surrender my life to you. I give you control of my life. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for all that I've done wrong. Today, I choose to be a Christ follower. I choose to let Jesus have control of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to know the way that I should go, that I can live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.